Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Janet Adkison here with you this week. We have a special treat because we have a couple folks from the Missouri Farm Bureau team sitting down with us. We are joined by Spencer Tuma. Spencer is the Director of National Legislative Programs and Dan Ingeman, the Director of Regulatory Affairs with the Missouri Farm Bureau. And it's great to sit down and talk with both of you because we're getting ready to head to Salt Lake City, Utah. That's where the American Farm Bureau meeting is going to take place. This is, of course, post our own annual meeting back in December Uh, We had a number of things that uh, went through the delegate body that did go ahead and make it on to AFEF. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Janet, appreciate the opportunity to be on and, and look forward to talking through what the deal is in Salt Lake City. So, as you mentioned, our annual meeting wrapped up in December. And a lot of people know that Farm Bureau's policy development process is unlike any other uh, process for an interest group in the entire country. Um, following our annual meeting, you know, we vote to close the book and the delegates uh, move on. They all go home from the lake, but the work really doesn't end there for policy development. So what happens just after our annual meeting is literally the day after uh, President Hawkins swings the gavel and we all adjourn. Uh, we meet and determine which policies of those that were adopted by our voting delegates move on to what I'll call the next step, which is the American Farm Bureau policy development process. And that process is very similar to how we do things in the state of Missouri. Uh, It's a little bit different because it is more on a national scope, um, but there is a resolutions committee that is comprised of Farm Bureau presidents from all across the country, including President Hawkins. And every state has the opportunity to bring policy ideas to American Farm Bureau, just like every county has the opportunity to do that here in Missouri. And also, let's point out that even though maybe just to pick a number, 100 things pass Mm -hmm. at the state meeting, we're not going to take 100 on to American Farm Bureau's meeting. Absolutely right. So a lot of times when we're looking at American Farm Bureau policy, what we try to focus on is policies that are of national scope. Right. So American Farm Bureau doesn't necessarily weigh in on state level issues, uh, depending on the circumstances. Um, And there are some opportunities as well where we look at a policy that we passed within Missouri Farm Bureau. And we might see that American Farm Bureau already has a stated policy Mm -hmm. position on that issue. So there's really no need um, to plow the same ground, if you will. Um, But we try to focus on policies that we think are really going to move the needle for our national organization as well. I love when farm terms are used in conversation. And you yes. slid it right in. Love there. a good farm pun. <laughs> Love a farm pun. So, well, let's jump on into some of the, the the policies that have moved on. So, give us kind of a rundown here. Yeah. So, it was a really interesting year for American Farm Bureau policymaking. Um, many of you know that, and I mentioned President Hawkins serves on the American Farm Bureau Resolutions Committee. This year, he was actually appointed to be one of the five state presidents who served as a subcommittee chair. Uh, for the American Farm Bureau resolutions meeting. And that is a very big deal and something that we're really proud of here in the state. This means that Garrett had the opportunity to help lead the discussion um, on a lot of issues that are really of interest to Missouri Farm Bureau. His subcommittee um, really focuses on energy policy. And we know that that has been a huge priority of our organization over the past couple of years. And, and Dan has worked a lot on these issues. They fall a lot into his portfolio as we look at the regulatory space. Um, but Garrett really had the opportunity to help lead that discussion with his peers 
And um, I think when we come home from Salt Lake City, of course, nothing will be final until the American Farm Bureau delegates vote. Um, But I think we're really going to be pleased to see that a lot of Missouri's policies that we adopted when we kind of overhauled our energy section of our policy book this year um, are going to be translated directly into American Farm Bureau policy. Dan, I don't know if you want to speak to some of those priorities. Well, uh, thanks, Spencer. And thanks, Janet. And happy new year to you and our listeners. Um, But yeah, so, you know, last time you and I visited, we talked about the green web, what President Hawkins has dubbed, you know, this green energy explosion that's happening across Missouri and the Midwest. So really, you know, he challenged uh, uh, Spencer and I and others on the team, like, let's look at our our energy section and our policy book, what needs to be updated. And thankfully, you know, our voting delegates uh, approved a lot of changes to that. So we're carrying those forward to the American Farm Bureau in Salt Lake through their uh, voting delegate process. And so things like you know, we're concerned about rapid retirement of what we call dispatchable energy resources. You know, we've had the privilege of having, you know, a few conversations now with one of the commissioners on FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, who shares these concerns. And, you know, about taking, when we talk about dispatchable, taking coal and natural gas, you know, off the off the grid, off the system, you know, retiring those plants and replacing them with you know, these green sources of energy that are actually less reliable. You can't just flip a switch and, you know, the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow. So uh, so we're very concerned about, you know, the impacts of what happens to uh, energy affordability, reliability, and, and really, you know, uh, the economic uh, picture of our country, uh, not to mention uh, the uh, all the impacts of private property that we're really seeing right now. And these are, you know, Missouri, of course, we're in the middle of this with some of the things that are taking place Mm -hmm. in our state right now. But it and some might think that it's more just relevant to Missouri that we've been, you know, President Hawkins has been talking about the green web. But I'm imagining that there are a number of states our neighboring states and also even beyond that are probably pretty clued into this as well. It was so interesting to see during the discussion how many other states seem to be facing these kind of issues mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, sometimes I think we have the tendency, all of us do, to, to think of it as, oh, why is this happening to us? This has to be the only place in the world that this is happening. But um, it's happening in rural America all across the country. And and it was really evident during the discussion um, that, that we are not alone and that Farm Bureau really does have a role to play in representing landowners in in this space, not just at the state level, which is something Missouri Farm Bureau has had a track record of for years and years, um, but moving into the national level as well, because many of these projects, as Dan can attest, they span across multiple states. And so there's multi-state impacts. um, And these subsidies that are coming from the federal government um, in in favor of electric vehicles or alternative energy development or what have you, um, those are nationwide. Those are being um, put forward by federal agencies and approved by Congress, ultimately. So do you guys have any specific uh, policies moving forward from Missouri? Because we've got quite a few that are moving forward. But any specific ones that stand out to you that you'd like to highlight for folks that we're going to be discussing, of course, in Salt Lake? Sure. Um, well, in addition to the one that, that yeah. I just mentioned about, you know, the retirement of these dispatchable right. resources, we got other policies saying, you know, that we oppose unrealistic green energy goals of 100 percent clean energy grid by 2035 that the administration has laid out, net zero emissions by uh, status by 2050. Uh, and just because, you know, we talked about before, Janet, um, the impacts to our farmers and ranchers, because, you know, the uh, proponents of these projects 
will say, oh, this is for the public good. Well, we're Missouri Farm Bureau and our, our, our neighboring states, and, and we're trying to get American Farm Bureau more, you know, in, in on, on lines of this messaging, this advocacy here, uh, that farmers and ranchers are part of the public and need to be considered as such. Uh, we need to make sure that our farmers and ranchers are being kept whole to the greatest extent possible because they are facing the greatest burden with housing this infrastructure. Talk a little bit deeper about that, Dan, as if you were talking to somebody who does not come from farm country who's tuning in. You know, whenever you're talking about them bearing this burden, what kind of burden are you talking about? So, yes, a great question. Uh, large transmission lines, namely, you know, for about a decade, you know, we pushed back against, you know, uh, our listeners will, will remember, a lot of them are familiar or impacted by this personally, the Grain Belt Express project coming across North Missouri. And now you have a, a connector line uh, uh, joining that from in central Missouri. So transmission lines are what I think about mostly. But, um, you know, certainly there's also an explosion of solar, wind. Uh, solar especially is like really, really concerning. I think about um, our members agree uh, it's not just just my opinion. Our members agreed they they adopted policy on this um, that, you know, look, we don't uh, we have some concerns about uh, impacting, you know, productive ag land, taking up productive ag land with solar panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should prioritize the siting of those on marginal or underutilized lands than uh, prime uh, row crop production. This is completely not necessarily out of out of the field, but I did see something over social media over the weekend talking about, uh, you know, taking away farmland and putting it into the solar generation. But at the same time, showing a picture of a solar processing facility that, of course, is very, very massive with a really nice big roof that it seems like it would be very fitting to maybe incorporate some ideas like that. So, yes. you know, not just uh, taking our land out of production, but thinking of some other alternatives. Yes. Are there better ways to yeah. cite these? Um, so uh, certainly that's the debate that's, that's shaping up uh, certainly across uh, Missouri and in the Midwest for sure. I'm certainly no solar expert, but it's fun to at least have the conversation and think a little bit deeper than what we're seeing some of the surface be, I guess. And right. it sounds like this conversation could definitely dig deeper in Salt Lake City. I think definitely so. And I, and I think our point, just kind of bringing it back around, is we want landowners to be fairly represented mm-hmm. in that process, right? You know, whether or not you choose to enter into these contracts, um, that that's your prerogative. Um, but we want to be sure that landowners have a clear picture of what they're signing up for if they are approached. Um, and we just want to be sure that we have a seat at the table because we think oftentimes, as Dan alluded to, um, we see it, we've seen us fly over country yes. and people don't recognize the impacts of what the actual infrastructure of these green energy goals means to people who own and have farmed land for generations. Mm-hmm. And then again, coming back around to private property rights. Like Absolutely. You say. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit further. Um, I see looking here, we've got something on international trade. Um, as far as policy goes. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so that circles a little bit um, into the green energy and I guess climate agenda, overall climate agenda as well. So um, as our listeners will know, and and Farm Bureau has been a a big supporter of agricultural trade um, through the years. It's a huge, international markets play a huge role in the agricultural economy. Um, We've seen a lot of ups and downs with trade. Um, Unfortunately, the Biden administration has pretty much zero trade agenda. They have done almost, um, I should not say almost nothing. I should say they have done very little um, in their tenure um, to advance agricultural trade. Um, And so, you know, this is really just a statement. It says, you know, we would support increased action um, to ensure that 
the U.S. is not subjected to the goals of other the climate goals of other nations in trade negotiations. And we see this a lot with EU countries um, who are pushing their farm to fork initiatives and 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 other initiatives similar to that. Um, at the at the end of the day, we just believe farmers and ranchers should be beholden to uh, what we believe here in the United States and not be forced to fit into some sort of box um, and unrealistic goal that may be set forward by another nation or another trading partner. So um, there's another interesting topic. I, I'm just mo- going to move down the list here, mm-hmm. Janet, as I as I look at other hot button issues. Um, you know, we had a lot of discussion this year about how to better equip the livestock industry in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, one of those ways is with the continued drought we've seen, um, we want to ensure that livestock producers have the ability to manage their risk properly on the farm. So improvements to programs that already exist within the Farm Bill and within USDA, like the Pasture Rangeland and Forage Program, are a big priority for us as well. And if our listeners had um, had the chance to attend our commodity conference, um, you probably heard a discussion on animal health and vaccine technology usage. And so um, that's an issue that I'll admit was a new one for me. It was not something I knew a lot about, um, but certainly uh, became a hot button issue in the last Missouri legislative session. I think this is a perfect example of, you know, we had an issue pop up really for the first time in the state of Missouri, but we see this as a national conversation. Um, so just inserting language into the AFBF policy book about um, support for cutting edge animal vaccine technology without prescriptive labor requirements is something that our delegates were passionate about. Our commodity committees, after hearing the presentation in August, were really passionate about that as well. And so these are all examples. The the energy ones that Dan has talked through and I've talked through and the others, you know, these all came from Missouri Farm Bureau members. And that's the heart and soul of this entire process. Well, and circling back around to the regulatory part as well, you know, we talked about the green and trade and uh, Dan also on water quality, just and the reason I bring this up is uh, talking about WOTUS here. And that's definitely been something that you focused on a lot during uh, your tenure with the Farm right. Bureau. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, just what we did was an update to our, our language uh-huh. in December. Um, you know, we opposed the, uh, the 2022 WOTUS final rule. So just updating that because you know, as our listeners will recall, the uh, the final rule was was updated, but it, it kept in, intact the uh, the relatively permanent standard with waters of the U.S. And so, which is still really onerous, uh, is really ambiguous term about what that actually means. Mm-hmm. You know, we had this uh, uh, great Supreme Court decision that took away the the uh, the nexus test the significant nexus test but still this permanent sta- relatively permanent standard remains and is still being litigated thankfully that rule is on hold in Missouri because our attorney general along with lots of other states are part of litigation that's ongoing in the state of North Dakota uh, there's also a couple other lawsuits pending so WOTUS is is uh, certainly the the gift that keeps on giving and, and add, adding to the frustration of uh, landowners everywhere. So this is just sort of a kind of a, a quick hit rundown of some of the things that are going to be talked about during the policy, just coming from the Shomi State. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and jump on into Salt Lake City. Tell us a little bit about the process that takes place there. Yeah, so the annual meeting itself is really similar in some ways to Missouri Farm Bureau's annual meeting. So I would just say, you know, first and foremost, if you're a Missouri Farm Bureau member, you can attend the American Farm Bureau annual 
meeting. You do not have to be a voting delegate. You can go on and register, and we'd certainly welcome your participation um, in, in this meeting or other meetings in the future. They typically happen every January. Um, but very similar to our state annual meeting, you know, there are keynote speakers who will talk about various agricultural issues. Um, some of those will be motivational keynote speakers. Some of them will be political speakers um, speaking specifically about ag issues. Um, it's also a real opportunity for us to showcase the work that Missouri Farm Bureau has done over the past year. Um, you know, I always I always kind of laugh, you know, people say, what's your favorite part of the annual meeting? My favorite part is the delegate session. But my second favorite part is in the opening ceremonies. And Dan's going to laugh because he's seen this before. And Janet, I'm sure you have, too, if you've been there. Um, at the very beginning, the president for each state Farm Bureau for the opening ceremonies, they carry their state's flag across mm -hmm. the stage. Um, and you might kind of think, like, why is that your favorite part about the annual meeting? And I think it's because it's really nice to see the pride that every state president has to be there representing their state, representing their membership. Um, it's also kind of fun. One year, I um, so I had the opportunity to go to some AFBF meetings in my role. So I've gotten to know kind of who some of the other presidents are. And an individual who's sitting next to me who I did not know, um, I was telling someone who like what states they were. And they were like, oh, wow, you really know the state flags. And I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mislead you. I just know who the farm bureau presidents are. So it, I, it, I, it gives me a fun a fun laugh when I think about it. But it just it's awesome to see the pride that everybody yeah. in um, at the American Farm Bureau annual meeting has for their state, has for Farm Bureau overall. Um, there's a trade show. Um, there's a lot of workshops. So um, if you're interested in issues or advocacy or communications, there's an there's a workshop track for everyone. So Dan, you can talk about and, your and favorite there's farm dog of the year. Right? There's farm that dog was, of the year. One of yeah. my uh, you know, my big takeaways from my first AFBF meeting, uh -huh. like, hey, there's a dog across the state. And I was taking a picture. <laughs> Send it back home to my kids. So uh, like, you'll never believe this. So. Everybody loves the farm dog of the year. Yes. So it brings a little bit of uh, home out to wherever the convention happens to be. I want all the dogs to win. Don't I think there know. should be farm dogs of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oppose that. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe not all of them on stage at the same time. Who knows? Can you imagine? <laughs> oh. Utter chaos. Utter chaos. Literally. So, <laughs> well, anything else that you guys would like to add? I do want to follow up uh, on one other point here shortly, but anything else that you guys want to toss in there as far as the AFBF meeting? Just we're going from one of the warmest uh, locations for our annual meeting. Spencer, you unfortunately missed that I one. Missed to, it. to one of the coldest oh, yeah. locations <laughs> from San Juan, Puerto Rico to uh, to Salt Lake City. So just the weather will be a little different, but uh, be nice and warm inside and hopefully uh, not not too heated uh, when we have our policy discussion and, and uh, amendment making process. And that uh, it's always always a good time. It's always our goal to get all of our policies through. Um, so we hope to have a great report when we come back from Salt Lake well, Fingers City. crossed. And of course, we will have a chat after the convention wraps up mm -hmm. and kind of review what successes did take place. Uh, and before I let you guys go, we've also got some other events coming up here pretty soon. Of course, the Young Farmers and Ranchers mm -hmm. Convention for Missouri membership. But also in March, there's going to be a trip to D.C. That is exactly right. We are so excited for our annual legislative trip um, to Washington. It'll actually be my first time leading the trip back. Um, so it got canceled during the COVID, the COVID years, as the I COVID say. Year. Yeah, the dark years. If Natalie could like put some dark music over that, I would really appreciate it. Um, but I unfortunately missed the trip last year because I was on maternity leave. So I am really excited to be bringing the trip back. Um, we have a great trip planned. If you are a Missouri Farm Bureau member and you are eligible, you should have received information for the trip um, the week between Christmas and New Year's. 
If you are not going on this year's DC trip, but you're curious about how you can get involved, please contact your regional coordinator or somebody here at the home office. Um, there's lots of opportunities to get involved and go on the trip, whether that's serving on one of our state committees, our resolutions committee, um, getting on our young farmers committee as well, um, or you know, if you're a county president, have the opportunity to go that way. So um, we think it's a great experience. Um, I've been told it's like a master's level ag policy course all squished into one week. Um, but we'd love to have you. Give questions, contact your regional coordinator, or contact me. So how is the schedule? You know, do you have the dates at the top of your head? Yeah, so um, the dates for the trip are March 12th through 15th. That's a Tuesday through a Friday in mid-March. Um, looks like it's going to be a busy week in Washington already. Mm -hmm. Both sessions or both chambers of Congress will be in session. So um, we're excited about that. We typically start with a um, a welcome dinner and typically a tour of the U.S. Capitol, which I think is really a highlight of the trip. Um, have a lot of issue briefings. We kind of do some work and we also do some play as well. Issue briefings from American Farm Bureau, USDA, um, other other policy related conversations on the agenda. Um, hopefully going to get to do an embassy visit this year. Really excited about that opportunity. Um, and then breakfast with our congressional delegation is always kind of the flagship event on Capitol Hill. So we're really looking forward to it. Spencer, last year, the Canadians really hosted. Yeah. We're great hosts. So yeah. it, it, tremendous. So wherever, whatever embassy we go to this year, really going to have to outdo the Have Canadians. we submitted any embassy requests? <laughs> we, I will say we have submitted some requests, but I'm not yet ready to reveal the embassy. <laughs> uh, we are still in conversations. Hopefully we'll have that nailed down in the next few days. So, right. But I think I think everybody's going to be really pleased. Well, that sounds good. Well, guys, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Of course, uh, it is a busy time of year following a busy time of the year. So <laughs> I keep hearing that there's rumor that there might be a slow time, but I haven't, uh, that hasn't been proven yet. I'm not found that either. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. They've been telling me that ever since I started. <laughs> Here. <laughs> <laughs> the warning has been issued now. There we go. Well, the annual meeting, of course, coming up later this month in Salt Lake City, Utah. We've been talking with Spencer Tuma, Director of National Legislative Programs, and Dan Ingeman, who's the Director of Regulatory Affairs, both with the Missouri Farm Bureau. You've been listening to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau.